ears, that they cannot hear the truth that would set them free. But Lord, your word breaks through. Your word is a living word. It cuts through the body. God is a double-edged sword. It is a double-edged sword. It is a double-edged sword. And it pierces the heart, oh God. It pierces the heart of those, Father God. Father, we come against the rebellious spirit. We come against the spirit of violence and anger and disall and disobedience in the name of Jesus. Oh, Father, we declare righteousness. We pray your glory and your righteousness will rise up together in the name of Jesus. Let your glory and your righteousness rise up. They will prevail, oh God, before Christ comes once again. Lord, we thank you. We praise you. We pray for our leaders. We declare wisdom that you would surround our leaders with godly, Father, godly counsel, oh God. Let your leaders be surrounded with godly counsel. Let those you have chosen Surrounded with godly wisdom, oh God. Father, godly counsel, oh Lord. Father, in the name of Jesus. Oh Father, we come against Father. Who, if you are for them, who can be against them, oh God? If you are with them, Lord, who can be against them? Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you. We praise you. We praise you. As the blessings, as the praises go up, the blessings come down. been teaching us about growing and he's mentioned several times about enlarging our territory amen so I just pray in this spirit I want you to repeat after me while we sing this song amen
that we, Lord, empty us of ourselves and fill us up with you, Lord. Because only with you will our territory increase, amen? Let it increase at our jobs, with our families. Some of us are the ambassadors of our families. My God, I pray this. My God, be with us.
gaze now fade away every crown no longer on display hallelujah here in your
everything, everything must bow before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Hallelujah. <laughs> because as the sign says, we are jars of clay, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that all surpassing power is from God and not from us. It's from Him and not from us. In His presence, we are undone. We become nothing. We come before Him unashamed and naked. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Yes, Lord! Yes, Lord!
brother, no sister, no children, no one, no job, no money can compare. You are matchless, you are matchless, you are awesome, you are wonderful, you are beautiful, and you are glorious all by yourself. Woo! Oh, hallelujah! Here in your presence, here in your presence. Oh, Lord, we are undone. We are undone. Undone, undone, undone. Stay quiet in the presence of the king, isn't it? Be 
He truly is wonderful. He truly is beautiful. And he is undoubtedly matchless in every way imaginable. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I wish the people of God would give him a shout of praise in this place. He is so holy and righteous and mighty beyond our comprehension. We couldn't imagine him with our wildest imaginations because he is so amazing. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. with how incredible he is, he takes the time to love each and every one of us. We're talking about the God of creation. When he designed the universe, he did it with just simple words from his mouth. That's how amazing he is. That same God cares about you, loves you so much, he allowed his son to be placed on the cross so that he could be with you in eternity. Wow. Turn to your neighbor and say, he's alive in you. Shining light, breaking chains, breaking 
breaking chains that are holding me. You sent your son, sent your son, now to save me free. Every day, every day, I'm pressing on till I see your face. I will live, I will live, that your will be done. And who's gonna stop?
Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. He's alive in us. He's alive in us. He's alive in us. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. You may be seated a couple of minutes. Praise God. We celebrate in the presence of God and it's precious. But I got to tell you, there's so much activity happening in the spirit right now that it's almost hard to remain focused. Because when God opens up, remember I was talking about, you know, he opens up the floodgates. Many times it gets overwhelming and we have to have the discipline to be able to focus in what God is doing. And in the times of floodgates, it can be a very dangerous time because when, you know, you, you just heard, I think, uh, I called Jenny to see how she's doing, because there was a hurricane also in Houston, in the area where she's at. She declared herself uh, safe on Facebook, so that means that she had to have issues over there where she was at. Uh, but when the floodgates uh, gates get open, everything in its way gets cleaned up. And so you have to be careful. You have to, um, uh, you know, in, in Puerto Rico, we know we build houses on, like, on the second level. We have the first floor called a malquesina. That's where you park your car, but at the same time, it protects the home. In case anything happens, you could go upstairs and be safe. Then they, they make it not with wood. They make it with concrete. And, and so it protects the house in, in times of, of uh, flooding. And so we recognize that when the floodgates get open, you have to be ready for it. You can't just wait for floodgates and then... You can't wait for floodgates open and say, okay, now let me do something. It's too late. That's it. It's going to take you. Te va a llevar el tren del 7, del 9, del 8, everything. The train's going to take you away. I just translated that. Uh, we have a saying in Spanish. The train's going to take you away if you're not careful. So what I'm saying with that is we, there's a lot happening in the spirit right now. And we have to be sensitive to hear what the Holy Spirit is saying. Because when the Spirit of God is speaking, other spirits are also speaking. So what happens is if you're not careful, you get caught up with uh, an overload of information. And that's, that's what he wants to do. He wants to distract you. A distracted Christian is a useless Christian. Amen. I got like three amens and about ten. Mm. <laughs> All you distracted folk, listen to me right now. <laughs> no, it's true. It's, it's, it's very vital. And I love it because usually what happens, this usually happens in times of warfare when there's a battle for the souls of man, when there are battles for regions, and we know we can see it on a national scale. Uh, even government doesn't know how to deal with the warfare that's happening from the spirit realm. We think it's changed the law. No, it doesn't make a difference. You know, it changed the politician. It doesn't make a difference. The warfare, the genesis of it is in the spirit realm. And I notice in Genesis chapter 14, there was a time of war. Um, <clears throat> Lot had been taken captive. Lot was the nephew of Abram. Before Abram was Abraham. And so Lot was taken captive during a war. And so uh, news got over to Abraham or Abram. said, listen, your, Lot was uh, your, your, your uh, nephew Lot was taken captive. So he said, okay, I know what I have to do. So he went to his 318 trained men. Listen to me, trained men. He had trained them during times of peace. I'm going to say that again. The time to be trained is in a time of peace. So when war comes, you're already ready. In other words, you don't wait for the war to happen and say, okay, what do I do, what do I do? Pastor, I need you to pray for me. Sometimes pastor isn't there to pray for you. 
So he was ready, and his 300, uh, 318 men were already trained. He went out there, he took the battle to these kings that had come against that region, that had taken Lot, his nephew, and guess what? He went over there, defeated them, and brought his, his nephew back home. So there was great victory during that time. Why? Because he was already ready. In the time of battle, he was already ready, okay? So here's, here's the issue. As soon as that happens and he wins the war, a gentleman shows up that just happens to be a priest. And his name just happens to be Melchizedek, which means Prince of Salem, which means Prince of Peace, which also means Prince of Righteousness or King of Righteousness. So this unique gentleman comes up to him and hands him bread and wine. Bread and wine is symbolic of the Lord's Supper. That happened all the way in the Old Testament. Jesus didn't start it. It happened in the Old Testament. In the midst of war, there was a reminder that there had to be a sacrifice. There was a reminder that there had to be a warfare. You don't give in to the enemy. You defeat the enemy. Right? And how do you defeat the enemy? By standing on God's word because there's already, there was already an accomplished work on the cross. So we, we need to stand on already the accomplished and finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus de defeated the enemy. Now we enforce the victory that God has already given us. So, but in the Old Testament, um, it relates to this gentleman. Now, in the, in the book of Hebrews chapter 7, it says, it talks about Melchizedek. It says, this man, Melchizedek, who is in the semblance of Jesus Christ. Interesting. Well, of course, because he was a king. He was the king of Salem, which meant king of peace. Right? He was also the king of righteousness. Without father, without mother, it says, without genealogy. Interesting. So in the New Testament, it confirms that very unique chance encounter that Abraham had in the midst of a warfare. And in the midst of warfare, several things happened. Number one, he took the Lord's Supper. You know, he, he celebrated with the bread and wine, right? And what, what is the bread symbolic of? Somebody being torn apart, somebody being broken, something sacrificed for someone else. Abraham and his 318 men sacrificed, in essence, their life. They could have died. He was in peace. He didn't have to go into war, but he went to war for someone else. Right? So what happens is, here you have this man. He goes to war, and suddenly the king of peace shows up. He hands him bread and wine, and then what does Abraham do? Abraham, what does Abraham do? He goes and hands him a tithe of all. So two things happened there. Number one, there was a warfare there. Three, actually. Number two, the Lord's Supper happened. And number three, there was an offering. Why the offering? Because Abraham acknowledged that God was the one that gave him the victory. He acknowledged that God was not only his provider, but he was the one that went before him in the battle and defeated the enemy. And then if you, if you go to the New Testament, what is it that the Lord Jesus Christ does? Before his greatest battle, he gets his men together. He sits down with them. I have desired greatly to sup with you and to have this supper with you. What does he hand them? Bread and wine. He hands them bread and wine and he talks to them. He says, this is my body. It's about ready to be broken for you. These guys didn't know what in the world Jesus was talking about. He said, I'm about ready to go into warfare for you. And they had no idea what he was about ready to do. He says, my body's going to be broken and my blood is going to be shed. I'm about ready to write out a new covenant for all of you and for all those that you would touch in the future. And it's going to be written in my blood. I'm going to shift everything back to, I'm going to give you back the authority. I'm the one that's going to stand in the gap. 
And then what did he do? He gave an offering. What was the offering? His own body. He gave his life on the cross of Calvary. And we know, in the New Testament, it's that he was the first fruit of those that was raised from the dead. A first fruit. What's a first fruit? It's an offering. Praise God. So when we're talking about a season like this, um, it's interesting to note that various things are happening at the same time. Number one, the, the, the battle for men's minds are going on. And when I say men, I mean mankind, all of us are in that. So it's a battle for your mind. And the enemy is coming at you. But guess what? Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. He can only come at you with deception. But you know the word. And if you know the word, you stand on the word. After having done all, stand. Think about it. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 1 that Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. And then who's seated next to Jesus? No, no, the Father's there. But who's seated next to Jesus? Ephesians chapter 2 it says we are seated in heavenly places with Jesus. Nobody sits next to a king unless they're royalty. You try it. Go somewhere where Prince Charles is. Try to sit next to him. See how far you get. You're not going to get far. You're not going to get very far. Only royalty could sit next to royalty. Well, the Bible says we are kingdom priests. We are an unusual nation, an unusual race, an unusual creation. The ecclesia, the called out ones. And we are built and created and formed for such a time as this. Hallelujah. So I want to praise God for his goodness. I want to praise God for his grace. I want to praise God because he hears our prayers. I want to praise God because he made the way for us. So that we can be not only useful, but to thrive in this time, in this season. I want to pray for two people this moment. Um, there, there's several issues that are happening. Um, Pastor Eileen in North Carolina had a, a shock happen to her. A dear, a dear friend of hers lives right next door. Um, the husband committed suicide and just just happened this is just she's actually dealing with this right now and so she asked for prayer and it's the Hall family of all things she said pray, pray for the Halls so someone with a similar last name I don't know if you know them or not but uh, you know maybe we can ask the question of who, who they are we need to pray for the Hall family because you have the wife she's in absolute devastation the daughter and the family so they're now at this point they, they don't know what to do so now, uh, Pastor Eileen and her people are going to have to be there and be an incarnation of the love of God to them. That's right. So we need to pray for the whole family as well as uh, Pastor Eileen uh, and, and her son who also is uh, there, uh, Jeremy. Then we also need to pray for Leda. Leda Velez um, is a very dear friend of one of our sisters, Sister Julia. She's actually on her way to another state to see Sister Leda Velez. It's like a spiritual mom to her. She's right now in intensive care. They're saying if, if, it, if nothing changes, she's probably going to be going home with the Lord very soon. All right? So let's pray for Leda. Let's pray for the whole family. Are we ready? Yes. Praise God. So bow your heads. Father, this moment we come to you on behalf of the whole family in North Carolina. Um, and Father, you know us better than we know ourselves. And you know the whole family. You know what has gone on there, the devastation that has taken place. But we pray, Lord God as the church joining with the prayers of Pastor Eileen and those that are with her. Father, we pray for your tender mercies upon the whole family. Have mercy on them. 
I pray, Father, that you would arrest any depression, any fears, any anxieties, Lord God, that would probably be overwhelming them at that point. Father, we pray your spirit, spirit of God, just touch and move upon this situation right now. Power of God, I pray, come upon um, Sister Hall and the family, Lord God, her daughter, her, her, the rest of the family. I pray that your grace, that your tender mercies would come upon them. And Lord, anything that the enemy has come to do in this family, I pray that it would be arrested even now. That no more, no more, we pray no more, no more devastation over this family. In the midst of this devastation, we pray life. We pray resurrection power. We declare a shift, a turnaround in this family, Lord God. We pray from, from this, may a genesis of a move of your spirit take place. May your glory take place, Father. We bind the works of the enemy that have come to destroy that family. We say no more, Lord God. No more. We pray life. We pray healing. We pray restoration in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we pray for Leda Velez, my God, who's in that hospital right now. Julia's on her way to see her, but we pray for this tender woman of God. We pray for your tender mercies upon her. Let your healing anointing, Father. Father, we release right now your healing anointing upon her, Lord God from the top of her head to the soles of her feet. And that, Lord God, which is devastating her body, Father, we pray that you are rested right now. Let her be arrested now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And may resurrection power come upon this body, my God. And Father, we pray for your peace upon Leda, Lord God, for your peace upon her family. Let your glory manifest. We'll give you the glory for it. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. And amen. Praise God. We have here... Um, a dear friend of the ministry and he's going to be with us in a couple of weeks and uh, evangelist John Ramirez as you know he he travels the world and ministers the gospel of Jesus Christ um, and he shares from his testimony powerful man of God and he's visiting with us today but I, I wanted him to come a moment because I wanted him to chat a bit with us uh, about how the process is going on he uh, he's decided to partner with us he, and it's an idea that was born in his spirit. And when we spoke about it, Julio, myself, and John, we say, wow, that would be an honor. And he has gone ahead and um, reached out to his own people, reached out to his friends, his family members, reached out to his networks uh, on our behalf so that we can have some renovation uh, done in the front of the building. And I gotta tell you, this is very unusual. Um, even in the body, we don't see that too often. But when we do see it, we see the love of Jesus in the process. And that's the way it should be. But I would like for um, Evangelist John, would you come a moment? Just uh, let, Let's just chat about that with the body. So it could be, we could report to them. But thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Praise God. First and foremost, I just wanted to thank you on behalf of our people. And, uh, you know, I got to tell you, it's, this is very generous on your part. It's, it's it, the Lord Jesus Christ showing his love through you, to us, to your brothers and sisters. So we thank you for that. Um, what's in your heart? What are you seeing? What, what are some of the process? I think, I think that, uh, you know, one, one thing I just want to say, I preach everywhere. I mean, I'm talking about, I've been, to, I've been to First Nation. I preach in First Nation, American Indian uh, places. I preach on the tent. I preach in the UK, Mexico, I, New Mexico. I preach everywhere you can imagine. And always I have this issue. I always had an issue with my daughter, right? I always had an issue with my daughter. Always, we never connected because I was a messed up dad. I had broken promises and stuff like that. And, and everywhere I went, God said, pray for my little people. 
pray for my people. Pray for my little people. Pray for my little people. And I would say once in a while, I'd say, God, what about my house? What about my daughter? So God brought me to the scripture. They say, the servant was in the field working. He come in, and, and the one that sit in the table said, serve me. And I always had a problem with that scripture. I was like, this guy got nerves. To, this dude worked a hard all day, and you tell him serve. I mean, come on. Wouldn't you just get up and get a guy a coat or something? You know, this is my mentality. But God said, that's me sitting on the table. So I've learned in the process, I learned to take care of God's house. Amen. And when you take care of God's house, you'll take care of your house. Amen. Understand? So whatever you, whatever you plant, you sow, you build for the kingdom, God will never forget your house. So today, my relationship, my daughter, is an amazing relationship because I took care of God's little people everywhere I went. I did special altar calls. I did everything. And I'm saying, I'm saying to you, don't be afraid to give God your best because the devil will lie to you. He would tell you, he would tell you, you know, ain't worth it. Other people are doing it. You know, he'll tell you, you don't have to get involved. You're not a minister. Let other people do it. And then you hold back the biggest blessing that God has for you. You could have been, been part of something special, right. something unique, something powerful. Because there's going to be a lot of people coming to this church in God's timing. It's gonna, I mean, you might need a bigger building one day. Yes. Because a revival is going to come. Amazing things are going to happen. Don't miss the vision. Don't miss the opportunity. Don't miss God's best in your life. Give. This is your house. This is my house, too, because I'm part of the kingdom. I'm part of this brother here. I'm part of who, I mean, me and who, before we even got saved, we got, we're playing for the team called the Angels, and we were going to hell. I mean, <laughs> I mean think about it. So how much more? And I say one more thing is, I am, it, it's about building Jesus' house. Amen. Amen. And I know that if you build his house, we're going to come together. We already collected almost $3,000. We aiming for 25. I got a guy. I was telling Pastor, I got a guy. He said he'll do the whole entire front for like 10K. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell the Lord, put a conviction spirit out of him. Don't let him sleep until you do it for free. Amen. <laughs> so uh, don't let that brother sleep or rest until he gets do it for free. So I'm maybe going to challenge him. I said 10,000 is too much. I'm going to get real Christians to do it for less. And I think that not only we're going to have an awesome sign, right? We're going to have an awesome sign up there that is going to light up the whole neighborhood. And it's to represent the light of Jesus Christ. Amen. So I just want to be here and say thank you. I just came to hang out, you know. And, uh, you know, I like to be with the presence of God today. The worship team was amazing, man. Amazing. You can feel the presence. Amen. Thank you, Pastor. Thank you, Praise the Lord. Thank you, man of God. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. Thank God for that, that spirit of generosity. And, and one of the things that I've experienced uh, being in regional ministry and from time to time, having the opportunity to be a part of larger ministries. Uh, not every minister is this way. Some of them are very, I don't know if I want to use the word stuck up or snooty. Yeah, some of them think they're all that and a bag of chips. But when you see people that are down to earth, they know their authority, they, they walk in their authority, but at the same time, um, they can come back home and, and, and still be there and even... Uh, Freely you have given, freely, freely you have received, freely you give. It, it's wonderful to see the people of God come and give back in their communities because he's, he's from the Bronx, right? Praise God. So he touches the world, but he's, he's from the Bronx. So thank you. Thank you, brother. Re appreciate that more than words can say. Hallelujah. Amen. So let's get ready to give. Remember, in, in the greatest of battles, one thing you said that God told you to give others and that God would take care of your business. And that's what something many people miss out. 
Sometimes God will call you to do something in the midst of your pain. And you say, well, why should I do it? I'm in pain. I need to know. I want you to sow a seed to somebody else because that's going to be your harvest. You can't have a harvest unless you first plant a seed. And remember the widow? The widow, all she had was one more meal left. And that's it. She was going to die with her son. And the prophet shows up, feed me. I mean, think about it. If this was today, the New York Times would have practically indicted the prophet. How dare the prophet, you know, the widow's last meal, he's taking the last meal, you know, he's televangelist, you know. Think about it. Yet the prophet came and says, give me that meal. What was he doing? He was stirring a miracle for her. Because basically, God had told her, said, my prophet's showing up, feed him. Did God not know her situation? He exactly knew. But he also had put in the land the law of sowing and reaping. When you sow something, it obligates the environment to give back to you. But not just the same thing. Because when you reap, you never reap the same thing. It always multiplies. An apple always has seed inside of it. Lot, plenty of seeds. Right? So what she did is when she sold that offering, suddenly, boom, a miracle started happening. A, a, a recurring miracle. Because it was, it was not like an amazing amount of money just showed up. No, it's just a little at a time. A little oil, you know, a, a little farina, whatever it is that she had to make a little cake. It just kept on showing up. And more showed up and more showed up. God knows how to get provision to you. That's why he says, pray daily. Give us this day our daily bread. It doesn't say, give me this month my daily provision. It says, give me this day our daily bread. Praise God. So when, when we release the tithe, what does God promise to us? He says, try me in this. He opens up the windows of heaven. He rebukes the devourer. We don't have to rebuke him. He does it. Amen. See? Praise God. So let's all stand. And let, let's, let's give in this season of opportunity. As we get ready for, for this event, it's going to be held Saturday, October the 5th. And it's going to be for the purposes of fundraising for the outside. But the greater picture is I believe this house will be full and people will receive some training for their own benefit. They will receive the word of God. They will receive deliverance. They will receive wisdom. They will receive understanding. And, and it'll set them free. And so Saturday and Sunday, I believe that that weekend is going to be a miracle weekend. And we have to rejoice in it. So Father, thank you. This moment we take out of that which you've blessed us with. Because we know that it is even you that provide the seed for us, for us to sow. So Lord, we sow the tithe. We sow the offering in your presence. Knowing that you are our provider. Father, when we look at scripture, we saw how Abraham gave a tithe even after that war, he was able to recognize you as being his provider. And we recognize, Lord God, even in uh, Malachi, how you declared that the people in that time were robbing you. And it's interesting because you're, you're the owner of everything. But we understand that you place the resources in our hands in this earth realm. So when we refuse to share, when we refuse to minister in time and in season, it's as if we were robbing. Because when we give a glass of water to the little one, it's as if we did it for you. When we visit a little one in the hospital, it's as if it was to you. When we visit a little one in the prison, it's as if it was to you. You say, you visited me. So Father, we thank you that when we bless here in this earth realm, it's as if we were doing it to you. So Lord, this moment we sow the tithe, we sow the offering in your presence. 
and we thank you that you are our provider. We thank you, Lord, for the miracle harvest that comes forth, not just from our giving of a tithe and an offering, but from our prayers, from our standing for you, from our walking in righteousness, from obeying you, Lord God, on a daily basis. Father, thank you. So we sow the tithe and offering in your presence, and we do give you all the glory, the honor, and the praise in the name that is above all names, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. As you receive instructions of the ushers, let's give.
worship experience, please let us remember to put our mobile phones on silent or vibrate during our For the best worship experience, please let us remember to put our mobile phones on silent or vibrate during our service.
You are up to rate. Oh, Belinda. That's why you are my husband's niece, because you're so smart. <laughs> um, God bless you. Dios lo bendiga. I want to um, piggyback on the brother that he was talking about the front. I feel that when God has a plan and a vision, and he gives you that in your heart, God will supply. It doesn't matter who doesn't want to give, who doesn't. God is going to open the door. Yes. And I saw that last Sunday when I came up here, because I was a little scared. I was saying, I shouldn't do that. Oh, God, maybe this is not you. Sometimes you feel a little doubtful. But when so many people came up to me with the offering and giving me the donations, I was saying, God, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Because it doesn't matter when you get, when, when God is the one that's in front, it doesn't matter what happens, God is always going to supply. And see, in other words, siete Dios, it'll happen. Right. Amen? It'll happen. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you don't want to give and you feel you don't, somebody else, God will touch somebody else to give. And, and I will go with 7,700, right, Belinda? That was our goal. And when he said 10,000, I said, yo, that means we could do it. We only need 2,300 to, to put that up there. Isn't that good? Amen. 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 So I was happy about that because I said, oh, we almost there. We almost there, right? And we're going to do it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. And I feel that God has touched everyone. Because I see everyone coming up to me. Please do not give money to anyone else, only to me, regarding the sight and sound money per family. $140 I'm asking per family to everyone. Please just give it to me. We don't want somebody to say, oh, I gave it to this one, that. No, I want to keep account and make sure that we are giving what we said we were going to give. And when I'm very organized and very responsible, I said I want to do this, so I want to do it. Amen? Amen. And also, I just want to clarify that the $35 that is being the um, admission for Saturday, does that, don't take that out of my 140 No, it's not happening. No, if you're coming on Saturday, you pay $35, don't say, oh, I gave it to Carmen with that 140 No, little girl, it's not happening. Sister, you gotta give the one for, who does that? Who does that? <laughs> who does that? I mean, sometimes I talk like this in front of my class, and, and they say, miss, and then I go like this, amen. And they say, miss, you're not in church. Miss, you're not in church. Because <laughs> I'd be going crazy. But anyway, like I said, the $35, I don't know who's collecting that. I'm sure somebody's going to collect that at the door or whoever is going to collect it. But that's not part of the 140, okay? So if you're coming on Saturday, Sunday, no. Sunday is, everybody could come in. But $35 on Saturday, you have to pay $35 at the door or whoever's collecting it, amen? And then mine's is 140 all clear? Yes? yes? Hey. And I just want to make a shout out, right, to my sister. Welcome home. Welcome back home. Amen? Amen. Why don't you just stand up so they know who I'm talking about? Oh, oh, oh. We miss her, right? We miss her, and we, we've been able to, right? And she's come back, and, and, we, and we missed you so much, and I was so happy when I saw you. I'm, I'm talking about the bottom of my heart. Amen? You belong here with us. And you need to be here with us, amen? And without your sister, you know, who you're gonna go to? Your family, this is your, this is your family, amen? Amen. And then another announcement, today is Tito's birthday. Yeah! yeah. Woo! He's going like this, I'ma get you, I'ma get you. I don't care, probably. Today's your birthday, I'm so happy, I'm so, I feel that this year for Tito has been like the best of the world. I, I'm so happy because I know God is doing something great in this man, and not because he's my husband. I, even if he was a, a, another person, I would say, wow, how God, I've seen God working in this man. Amen. And who else to say that than the one that's with you 24-7? Right. 
Amen. Amen. And I'm so happy, and I thank God every single day when I see him, when I see him getting up in the mornings, when I see him going to work, when I see him coming home, when I see him doing what he's doing, and I see what God has done in this man, Amen. I'm saying to myself, if he could do it with him, he could do it with whoever puts his life in front of God. Amen? Amen. And I just thank God for that. And that's why I had to say, you know what, Papi, today's your birthday. You got to thank God for it. You have to let God know that. And the way he, the way, and, I, and I would like sometimes that God gives him that, that spirit of go. Come on, let's go. Because if he were to open his mouth every single day, the way he does at work, the way you should, I, I should tape him at work and put it up here. <laughs> He'll kill me. But the way he talks about God, the way he has yes. those, those co-workers knowing that he's a Christian man, it's amazing. Amen? Because God is good. Amen? Now I'd like to present our pastor. Amen? God bless you, pastor. I'm going to do something a little different today because, like I said, uh, we need to focus on what God is doing. And so I'm going to have uh, a discussion. Today I'm going to have a discussion. I can't have a discussion without water. <laughs> and I, I want to talk about what we're going to be uh, doing in the coming weeks. Uh, one of the most important things we're doing as a church have to do uh, with an encounter that we're going to do together. And this encounter, uh, I think that so far, most of us haven't got it. We haven't got the fact that God is about ready to move in our lives and take us yes. deeper and take us farther in him, and take us higher in him. And so we're, we're, we're starting to plan it. There are two phases to the encounter. Uh, one part of the encounter is gonna be done right here at Calvary Christian Fellowship, and then the other one is gonna happen, um, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, uh, the week, the last week of October, October 25th and 26th, am I right? Yes. Praise God. And so I'm gonna ask um, to the podium with me, uh, Minister Migdalia Cortez. Praise God. But let's give thanks Hallelujah. for this moment of God. I knew that. <laughs> Praise God. If you can give her water, I'd appreciate it. Thank you so much. So, you got one? Oh, okay, okay. Excellent. So I would like to welcome everybody to the Calvary Christian Fellowship Morning Show. <laughs> and um, as you know, every week we discuss very pertinent topics that have to do with uh, cultural, spiritual, socioeconomic issues. But today we're here to discuss one of the most important topics, and that is our walk with God. And as you know, I can't have a, a show without uh, inviting a special guest. And today we have a distinguished guest, Minister Migdalia Cortez. She's been a member of Calvary Christian Fellowship for over 20 years. Hallelujah. She is what we call in Christianese una veterana, a veteran. She's been called to ministry since January 2006. She's known for her compassion to see youth and drug professionals thrive as they discover their God-given gifts and fulfill their purpose. During her service at Calvary Christian Fellowship, Minister Magdalia led the ladies' G12 Life Group 
And she has spearheaded the Youth Ignited Ministries. Today it's known as Connected Youth Ministries. And this has happened for over 10 years. Wow, a lot of time, a decade. Out of these ministries emerge many of the church's ministers and leaders who are active in their roles today. As a facilitator, Minister Magdalia has expedited a series of teachings such as understanding yours and other personalities and the five love languages that throughout the years have helped build stronger relationships in marriage and those among the members of Calvary Christian Fellowship. During the years, God has used Minister Magdalia to create, organize, and implement conferences, retreats for youth, families, and leaders where they have come to know Christ in deeper ways that have transformed their lives through the Holy Spirit. Minister Magdalia's professional experience includes government, not-for-profit management, and the implementation of community schools. A master's level administrator and youth development specialist, Minister Magdalia joined Children's Aid Society in two, is Children's Aid Society, is it? Yeah. In 2006, as the community school director, director, closely partnering with three principals. At the campus, she coordinates a full range of programs and services, including a full-service school-based health clinic, day school career readiness internship program, service learning program, after school program, parent engagement initiatives, parent summer camp, adult education program, and teens in action program. Minister McDally is a strong believer in chance and second chances. Prior to her current position at Children's Aid, she served as executive director of the New York City Department of Juveniles. In May 2013, the New York State 72nd Assembly District awarded Minister McDalia with a proclamation for her exemplary, exemplary contribution as a role model and respected authority on humanitarian and educational reforms, living to make the lives of inner city children a much better one with a brighter future. Minister McDalia is a doctoral and master's graduate from the Christian University in Ministry and Theology along with a master's of science degree in public administration, organizational development, and a bachelor of science degree in professional human services from the College of Human Services in New York City. So let's welcome once again, Minister Magdalia. Thank you, Pastor. I usually don't like, many of you who've known me for many years don't even know half of that list. Um, because God is the one that has made that possible. And as, as I get to know some of you or the opportunities come throughout the years, you will see how God made all that possible because that was not in my plan. And I thank God and I glorify him for every single aspect and success of those achievements. And thank you, Pastor. One, one of the things that I've learned is the difference between humility and pseudo-humility. Pseudo-humility, um, it, it seems righteous, but it's really not. You cannot get a job at the level uh, that you work at had you not had a burnished resume that gives clear experience of your past to the, the, the candidate, or not the candidate, but the one that wants to hire you. They have to know of your past. So it's not boasting when you share your studies, the, where you worked at, what you do. It's a fact, this is who you are, this is the package that you bring to the table. One of the things that I learned a long time ago 
that I'm not boasting when I put my resume together and I say I worked 10 years here, this is what I did, I worked five years here, this is what I did. It's, it's just a part of my, my life, my curriculum vitae, as they would say. So it's, it's not, we're not boasting on what you've done, we're just letting the people know who you are in terms of your professional and spiritual background. And it's important because God's people sometimes don't know the difference between humility and, and reality. Don't go to a place, uh, like some of you teenagers, some of you that are in your 20s, don't go uh, to your supervisor and say, yeah, can you give me a job, please? I just need a job. No, get dressed, put a suit on, or put a nice power blouse on, and, and go, go with nice shoes. And, and, and don't go saying, yeah, you know what I'm saying, I'm saying, you know what I'm Don't do that in a, re in, in, don't do that. It says, hi, my name is so-and-so. And be confident in who you are. Be confident in your abilities. Be confident in your potential. Your, your, your prospective uh, supervisor doesn't know you. He needs to know or she needs to know how you can flow in that time of pressure. So one of the things I rejoice is that we're educated folk here. And some of us are in process, we're in school. And uh, some of us are, are, are right now getting expanded studies, going back to school. And, and part of it is a revelation, a revelation of understanding that you can either stay there and wait for things to happen, or you can make things happen. Amen. And, and in her life, I've seen she has made things happen. Uh, at one point in time, we also were an, an adjunct to uh, the Christian college, so we were able to, to even be part of uh, teaching in, in the, I guess, the college, as it were, right? The Bible college. And she was one of my students. And between her and Liz, they put together not just reports, they would put together theses. <laughs> so they, they, were, they were excellent students, they really did their research. And so I'm very proud, not in a prideful way of I, with, we're better than others, no. I'm very proud that she is part of this ministry. Amen. I celebrate, I thank God that God has given her, uh, us, people like her and, and some of you that have also studied and those that, those that are studying because it's important that we bring material to the Holy Spirit. Amen. Some people God can't use because they never study, they never prepare. So what is the, what is the Holy Spirit going to use in you? I mean, He can use a testimony, yes. But how can He take you to a doctor so you could testify to a doctor? How can He bring you to a Muslim if you don't know Muslim theology? How is He going to take you to a person that is an agnostic? See, how do, you know, uh, how do you minister to somebody that is so deeply inculcated in heresy if you don't know the words and the way and the methodologies to defend the gospel? Amen. You see, so I thank God for all that you've done and we're still in process. That's right. Right? So we have uh, this beautiful um, encounter. It's ready to happen. Now, in your experience, in the last encounter we did, what are some of the things, just briefly, that you could share? Some of the things that really uh, came at you, some of the impacts that you experienced, and, and why is an, uh, an encounter like this so important? An encounter like this is so important for many reasons. <clears throat> Personally, for me, I've been to about seven encounters. Um, many of which were facilitated by Calvary Christian Fellowship and our sister um, churches. And each moment that I experienced was a layer of bondage that I personally was going through. Some in which that I knew of and some in which that I did. And it manifested itself and 
and it became a discovery for me. God knew all things, but for me, when I went to them. Had I not done that work, I wouldn't have been as effective to work as a minister or help any of my brothers and sisters as I have been able to throughout the years, even in my professional job. Some of the elements um, specifically that, are go that go on in the encounter are three areas. The purpose is to be able to deliver us from bondage, from the past, from things that have burdened us so much so that we barely can even move forward. And some of those things we may know, but some things have to be discovered. The third thing is about our present. God is eager to work on our present issues because we all have present issues. We live in a world full of sin and, and full of confusion because this is not heaven, right? So God desires to help us through those issues and remind us that we're not alone and that the Holy Spirit is our helper. And the third specific purpose has to do with our future. God has a plan for each one of us, for each one of you. And his plan is not to be a secret to any one of us. So he desires to share with us his dreams and his purposes in each of our individual lives. At the encounter, he does that. He does that. Right, so thank you, thank you for that. Um, I remember uh, in the last encounter we were at, uh, we dealt with issues that in most of church life, people think that in a deliverance service you would deliver, and it is true. In a deliverance service, there's an anointing to break through the issues uh, that you've been uh, encountering, uh, demonic activity in your life, uh, bondages, uh, uh, sometimes outright op uh, possession and oppression. But one of the things that most people don't understand is in our soul area, um, if you were, let's say, a smoker, and God can deliver you right there. But most people, uh, what happens is God gives them the realization that, oh my God, I have to work with this. I have to get rid of this. So little by little, they receive their deliverance. Some people, they get delivered from smoking right away. Others, they have to continue to walk that process. And some come to church, and then they go outside, middle service, keep on smoking, and come back in. And I say, come back in. But they're in the process of being delivered. See, because you still have issues that you're walking with. When, when God delivers you, you still have the baggage of the past, your habits of the past, your mindsets of the past, the training you received in the past. So one of the things the encounter deals with are those very issues. And some of the issues that we uh, work with are the, the causes of curses. And um, there's a scripture that... It's interesting, in Proverbs 26, 2, it says, like a fluttering sparrow or darting swallow, an undeserved cu uh, curse does not come to rest. In other words, um, curses have a reason. They have a genesis. And so we deal with at least 12 issues that can bring on a curse in a person's life. And we deal with them directly so that you can understand why a curse came into your life, how to be able to uh, be delivered from it, 
We know that there could be a, we even have a deliverance minister right now. I know that's not all, all, all that he does, but he is an, you know, he's an expert on that. He knows the way the enemy works in the life of people, and he can, in one service, get people delivered. But once they get back home, that very enemy comes back, and if you don't fill it with something, you, you have to fill it with the Holy Spirit, right? Because if it's not filled, seven worse demons can come, and the worst state of the individual could be even worse than the beginning, right? So one of the issues that we deal with is the area of idolatry. In Deuteronomy 27, it talks about idolatry. Idolatry includes the exaltation of anything that keeps Christ from being first in our lives. And in some cultures, we have actual images that are worshipped or inanimate objects such as the sun, the moon, the stars are worshipped. Uh, we know, uh, especially uh, for myself, uh, among my, uh, my family, my background, uh, they would uh, deal with Santeria. And although I never got really deep into it, uh, but uh, they would sometimes bring home uh, one of these spiritual leaders. And one time they prayed over me and, and the gentleman said, this kid has light, a lot of light coming from him. I wasn't a Christian. I knew nothing about Jesus, uh, but I didn't know what that meant. I uh, one time went to a celebration, and they bathed this lady in flour and, and a lot of different things, and, and I didn't know what that was. To me, it was natural. So when I came to Jesus, this was one of the issues that I had to deal with. I had to renounce that. In, in your background, you might have something different. Maybe you used to pray to saints. Maybe you used to pray to uh, statues. Uh, maybe you pray to Buddha. Uh, listen, we don't know. You know. So in these times of gathering, we actually deal with these things so we could get away from worshiping uh, creation to worshiping Almighty God. Anything else that you wanted to bring in relation to that? Um, not necessarily. You, you said most of it, but there are different types of family curses. Sometimes we don't even realize that we, they are called familiar spirits and that they are corralling us all the time, waiting for us to be weak so they can come in. And this is the reason why that particular area in the encounter is going to be very, very important, is to teach you how to denounce those things, how to recognize what they are, and to really be um, vigilant about what's going on in the encounter with you. The encounter is very different than any conference or retreat that you may have gone to or have heard of. The difference is that this is something that God is dealing with you. It's an individual, individual thing. It's, not it's done in a group form, but there's no accident that this is going to be in a campsite. Hopefully, we're going to be able to facilitate for you your opportunity to be with nature so that God can speak with you, so that you can be clear to hear his voice. But that's going to happen through the preparation, Pastor. There's a, the preparation starts next week. And that's, those are the parts that when the opportunity comes, I'll speak more about. And one of the things that we work with on that particular retreat is the face-to-face, -face, which is an encounter with God. People, we need to really see God. We have to stop playing church. We have to really seek God with all of our heart, our mind, our soul, our body. Uh, we need to be totally given to God. 
And, and in the retreat um, or in the encounter, this is something all of us are going to have an opportunity to do, to just let go of everything and give it to God. Another thing we're going to discuss is the issue of the power of the cross. You want a training in the power of the cross, my God, this weekend is going to blow you away. You're going to learn things about the cross experience and going beyond the cross, the power that was released, the resurrection power of God that was released for you and for me. Another issue, um, going back to the curses, is something that this generation doesn't understand, and they're walking in a big curse, many young people, and that is dishonoring parents. I got no amen there. That, that's a commandment. That's one of the Ten Commandments. We have to honor our parents. But today, we're teaching dishonor to our parents. Now, I want to preface by saying that some parents... It's hard to honor because they, they're, you know, they're not, unfortunately, doing their job. Some are not um, uh, in a good place, so to speak. But in that case, you could still honor them by praying for them, by not cursing them. You know, my parent is horrible, you know, I, I hate them and all that. No, don't say that. <laughs> Stay away from speaking anything negative about, about your parent. If you can't say anything positive, don't say anything at all. Pray for your parents. Ask God for his mercy upon your parents. But honor your parents. Because otherwise, a curse could come upon you. See, it says, you know the Bible says about honoring your parents? So that your life could be long. It, there's a promise connected with honoring your parents. When we dishonor our parents, we're dishonoring the structure that God set in this earth realm. See, God is what? The heavenly? It doesn't call him the heavenly king. It doesn't call him the heavenly boss. He's the heavenly father. He's the one that established a family. And I got to tell you something else. Sometimes you're the generation that makes it right. It could be possible that your parents were dysfunctional. And because of that, you suffered a lot. And you're carrying a lot of pain today. But one of the things we need to receive deliverance from is this thing of always going back to our parents, well, it's my father's fault, it's my mother's fault, it's my father's fault. No, you make your own future. Yes, yes, you had issues. Yes, they may have caused you pain, but that does not mean that you could break through that. It doesn't give you permission to curse your parents. Now, I'm saying as Christians now. Now, the world doesn't understand this, so they'll behave any way they behave. You know, don't get surprised because they're the world. And that's the way they're going to behave. But as Christians, we need to honor our parents. So we need to speak and bless. Speak blessings over your parents. Pray for them. If they cause you pain, forgive them. Now, I'm not saying that if you forgive them, you're going to go back and be chummy. Because some parents you can't be chummy with. But maybe, uh, you know, maybe your, your father or your mother are in a very bad place once again. And they might not even receive you. But you could forgive them and release yourself. And be at peace. So, Father, release. I know that they're, I'm, I'm in standby though, because if she fixes her life or he fixes her life, I'll go back there and hug them and we'll, we'll continue living our life together. Amen, amen. But that's another area that we're going to deal with on this retreat. But we can deal with that today. If you have issues today about that, you could come today to the altar and receive your deliverance. Amen. You don't need to wait till then. But this is another issue that we're going to share. Amen. At the encounter, you will also have an opportunity to face those individuals who have hurt you. Um, the encounter lends it an opportunity to facilitate for you a guidance from the ministers 
to guide you through the process, to forgive those who have hurt you. So through this preparation time, we encourage you not to put to the side what the Holy Spirit brings to the forefront of your mind of who has hurt you, or what kind of resentment you have towards people, because this is the way the Holy Spirit is going to prepare you for that retreat so that you can finally put those things to rest. Amen. And I, I remember uh, when I received that revelation, um, I had the opportunity to actually travel with a deliverance minister uh, and translate for him. His name is Carlos Anacondia. He's a very well-known deliverance minister. And I traveled to various parts with him. And, but I saw the way they ministered to the people. And something really struck me, which was they would take people to a tent when they had issues, and they would sit down to, to, with, and talk with them. Uh, they would pray for them, but they would also talk with them. What are the issues that are coming to mind? What are the issues that are hurting you? One young lady said, well, uh, you know, my father, I, I hate my father. And he says, well, why do you hate your father? He says, because my mother uh, tells me that he mistreats her. So the deliverance minister said this. He says, well, that's not your business. I don't know why she's talking to you about something that's private. Question, did you ever see uh, him mistreating her? No. Did he mistreat you? No. But yet you hate him? Yes. Why do you hate him? Because my mother, what my mother said. That's a revelation right there. Yes. Oh, yeah, you don't, have, you don't got it yet. I'm going to tell you. Your friend can literally superimpose a pain that they're carrying that doesn't belong to you. That's right. Yes, that's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. And by the same token, you have a pain, and then you speak to your friend, your friend can end up hating somebody that they don't even know. Right. Meanwhile, it was your perspective. You felt wrong, but it might just been a misunderstanding. But what happens is many people need to be delivered from misunderstandings, from outright abuse, from other situations. And so what they would do is, with this young lady, for example, they, was, they said to her, well, listen, um, you need to forgive your father. And she said, okay. They said, well, pray with me. And, and they helped her in a prayer. Uh, I, I forgive my father. I renounce the anger. I renounce the hate that I have for him. I will no longer carry this pain that really wasn't mine. It was my mother's. And then the deliverance minister would pray, you know, cast out whatever devil, whatever demon, whatever mindset, whatever it was. Let me tell you, that girl was set free. She went back to her father and restored the relationship. So what is God doing in your life? What are the issues that you have to walk through? What are the issues that you have to renounce and not walk? Remember, you're a Christian. So the Spirit of God is living within you. And so one of the overarching elements of the scripture is love. Everything has to be done in love. And so because you love, you, you have to be willing to forgive. And that's a, a, another area where a curse can come in, in the issue of unforgiveness. Some people don't know this. And it's in this scripture, and unfortunately we can't break that page away. And that is, Jesus said, if you do not forgive those yes. who trespass against you, your heavenly Father will not forgive you your trespasses. That brings, that, that brings me, Pastor, to remembering what God did um, one time in one of those encounters with me. I, have been, I had been serving as a minister already, 
I had um, been in Calgary for a very long time as a member. And now I was serving at the encounter to support the entire um, conference. And as I'm, uh, as I'm helping, there's a moment in one of these um, um, sessions where I'm sitting in a corner waiting to help the next member and the Holy Spirit starts to nudge me. Now, if any of you know me, I am very, uh, on, I'm very concrete. If I don't see it, I don't believe it. But God was dealing with me during these times to understand how the Holy Spirit worked with me. But physically, I felt the push in my back, and there was no one behind me. Mm. So I get up, because the push was hard, and for about five minutes, where I'm arguing with the Holy Spirit saying, um, I, I don't need to be up there. I already forgave my mother for the things that she supposedly did or how I perceived it. I've already gone about my sister and my brother and, and I went down the list about everything that I had gone through with everyone, including my father. So what business do I have to go up there? So I'm arguing with the Holy Spirit about this for five minutes. And finally, I had to give in because it was really nudging me. And it was like a person. And I knew it was a Holy Spirit because there was nobody behind me. So I get up and I go in front of one of the pastors. And I say to the pastor, look, I really don't know what I'm doing here. I really do not know what I'm doing here. Uh, because I've already, and I go down the list to the pastor about how I forgave every member in my family, and anybody that had done me wrong, including my father. And the pastor's standing there, and he says, well, if there was something that you would need to tell your father, out of all the members that I've listed, mind you, he says, if there is something that you can tell your father that you probably haven't asked him yet, what would it be? Now, I stood there for a moment. My father was still alive. May he rest in peace. Um, and I love my father at this moment. And so I looked at the pastor and I said, yeah, there is a question I never got to ask my father. Because my father had gotten a stroke 18 years earlier, which left him paralyzed and pretty much in a very poor state, his health-wise. And I never wanted to. To, 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 to disappoint or hurt him any further so I wouldn't bring anything up. So I would ask him this. The day that my brother, your only son, was dying, he made a request. His request was that he wanted to see his father. And I called you and I asked you and I pleaded with you why wouldn't you go? That's the question I need answer. And then I went crazy in the moment. It, a lot of junk started to come out. How could you have done that? How could you have not fulfilled his last request? This was your son. He was only 26 years old. And I went, I mean, a whole lot of junk just started to come out. And I was crying, and I was there for about 15 minutes. And then the pastor spoke in my father's voice. I was ashamed because I believed that it was me who put him 
in that deathbed. I never thought about that. And something broke because I, ne I, I never thought that my father would be afraid. And that was the first time that I was able to be excited about going back home to hug my father, love my father, because although I loved him and I asked him for bendiciones and, 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 and I gave him gifts, I couldn't touch or hug him throughout all these years because I had that thing in my heart and I didn't know I had it. Then I spent a whole year just loving on him before he passed away. Don't miss that opportunity. Amen. That, those chains came off. Amen, that's good, that's good. Appreciate uh, your vulnerability and, and, and giving them an example of what happens in, in these encounters. Because um, it impacts everything you do. And in many cases, it even impacts your relationship with your future husband, future wife, your business partners at work. It impacts your friends. So we need to really deal with these things that are there, they're almost hidden. But what happens is when we pray the Holy Spirit and ask him, reveal to us the things that are in our hearts that we've allowed there, that have become our normal, reveal to us, he'll start to reveal to you. There are issues in your heart, issues in your life that you haven't addressed, you haven't dealt with. You've just acclimated to it. Another issue is self-imposed curses. Without realizing it, many times, you know, you have death and life in the power of your tongue. You're aware of that, right? How many of you know that? Raise your hand. Amen. That you have, you have the power of death and life in your yes, tongue. Yes. If we know that, why do we call ourselves the names that we do? If we know that, why do we speak about ourselves the way we do many times? Why do we curse ourselves? And what happens is when your mind hears it, when your spirit man hears it, when your soul hears it, you continue to perpetuate the thing that they told you in the past like, for example, if, in my case, I was never going to amount to anything. I wasn't supposed to amount to anything. Now, I'm not saying I'm big and bad, but I am fulfilling my life. But if I wouldn't have dealt with some issues that I had to deal with that were told to me by my own parents or by family members, I would not have been in this place. I would have been one of the ones seated somewhere in a lazy chair and say, yeah, you know, I'm, this is just the way I am, you know. Just the way I am. I, I challenged my mom one day. She says, uh, los Nazarios son loco. And she used to always say that. The Nazarios are crazy. But after I started understanding this, one day my mom, mom says, oh, you know, the, the Nazarios are crazy. I said, mom, I'm sorry. I don't know. I reject that. I don't receive it. Amen. The Nazarios are good people. We're men and women of God. And I bless my posterity. I bless my children and my children's children. We are sane. We have the mind of Christ. And meanwhile, she's like, <laughs> she doesn't understand it. Because for her, it was normal to curse her own name, her own last name, to curse her children. Because it wasn't, uh, I don't mean it on purpose. I know you don't mean it on purpose, but you're still saying it. You're still declaring it. We have to be careful of the things we say of ourselves. Careful over the curses we impose upon our own children. You keep on going this way, you're going to end up in prison. You're going to this, you're going to that. And never a good thing to say. We have to change that. We have to shift that. Yes. We have to speak life 
into our own life. Speak life into our children. Speak life to our brothers and sisters in Christ. Another issue is speaking against our neighbor, speaking against our brother and sister. That also brings on curses. When somebody comes with a gossip to you, you need to snuff that out right away. I will not speak ill will of my brother or of my sister. It's just not going to happen. I speak life over them. Remember what David said of Saul, a terrible king? He said, I will not touch the Lord's anointed. Even though that man tried to kill David on several occasions. We need to take uh, um, a lesson from this great king, David, who understood the things he said, how important it was, the things he did, very vital. So my question to you, just think about it a moment. What are, what are one or two of the things that you would say if your father or mother were awake, um, or alive rather? Or what would you say if you could overcome the fear or the anger or the resentment you have? What would you say to them? What would be the thing that you have to forgive them about? What would be the thing you have to forgive your brother, your sister, your uncle, your aunt? A brother, a sister, a, a, a past friend. There are things that I was told as a teenage years that I didn't get over till I was 50. From my friends. Things they told me. That for whatever reason, they just remained inside. One of the deliverance ministers said this. Uh, he was praying over a person. It was an elderly man. And the elderly man came over and says, I need for you to pray for me. I have to get rid of this hatred I have. What's, what's the matter? My friend, he's, he did something terrible. He betrayed me and I just, I can't, I, I just have such, such anger. And you're telling me I need to forgive because God needs to forgive me. And, but I have to forgive. But I'm having a hard time forgiving. So, okay, well, we'll pray for that. What did he do? Well, he did this and that. Says, but how long ago? 50 years ago. And he was still walking with the anger as if it was yesterday. See, we think that if we hide a thing, it'll just go away. It won't go away. It'll stay with you. It'll continue to impact you. It'll continue to affect you. It'll continue to destroy your relationships, to hinder you. And that man, he, he forgave the betrayal from his friend. And right there, he was gloriously delivered. His face changed. He looked younger. It literally had a physical manifestation when he dealt with the spiritual root issue. And this is why, as Christians, in order for us to move forward, one of the secrets that people don't know is that the enemy has no problem you coming in and worshiping. He has no problem you dancing here and having a great time worshiping. He doesn't have a problem with that. But the minute you start ministering in his name, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, he starts watching you. And if you get any measure of increase, any measure of promotion in the kingdom, he'll wait at the right time and knock you right down. And you know what he'll use? That past issue that you didn't deal with. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting here, Pastor, um, in obedience to, to be able to share with you and our family, our Calvary family. But at the same time, of course, God is working with me. Um, one of the issues that I think and I, I pray that I, I get over all the time is an anxiety. I, I have an anxiety every time that I'm called to do something. And it, even if, if it's in my job or here, and, and, and it manifests itself it, physically, 
in such ways that it makes me sick, doesn't let me sleep, even for this today. And there's no reason for it because I'm among my family, right? And one of the ways that I've been able to combat it is just to press on and do whatever it is. But it does not mean that I have to live with it. So this is, and, and, and I'm sharing this and being vulnerable with all of you just to let you know that just because we're ministers doesn't mean that we have arrived and that we too need healing and that places like that or not, maybe in private, however God decides, that's all for all of us. This, this encounter is for all of us. Many of us will be serving Many of us will be ministering to you, but we're still being dealt with as yeah. well. And so my prayer is for this encounter that God delivers me from anxiety. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Well, and many, many times we're wounded healers. Yeah. yeah. yeah we, we, uh, God heals us as we're healing others or as we're ministering to others. Amen. Amen. Come join me. <laughs> Come join me. <laughs> and and the, other, the other thing is um, there are times where we have to deal with curses from our own parents. And so I just want to start bringing this uh, discussion to a close by saying that uh, sometimes we're behind the eight ball. Sometimes we didn't get the proper uh, benefits in the beginning because our parents didn't know. Our friends didn't know. Some of the greatest issues I had to deal with were because of my best friends, my besties. <laughs> they left me with, with situations that I had to live with years later. I had to deal with them. the pain uh, and, and, and uh, uh, unfortunate uh, guilt issues that I had to deal with. But, you know, Almighty God already made provision for us. Yeah. You know, it, at the cross, there was forgiveness. And one of the things about Almighty God, he's not like man. When God forgives, he forgets. Throws it into the sea of forgetfulness. And the enemy cannot use lies. He can only use truth. And one deliverance minister shared it with me this way. He said, when you, when you go to God, always think about it this way. He is the just judge. You're in a courtroom setting. He's the just judge. And then you have the prosecuting attorney, which is the devil. He's the accuser of the brethren. That's one of his titles. And he can only bring truth to this court. Because you can't lie in the presence of God. And then you have who? You have the advocate. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. So then the, the just judge starts the court case. So okay, court case open. Prosecuting attorney, bring your case. So out the devil will bring out, oh yeah, he did this, he, he lied, he, he did this, he did the other, she did this, he did a whole litany of things all throughout your life, because he knows your life. So there's no use to hiding it, because he knows your life, right? And then after every, everything is said and done, the just judge says, yes, he did all these things. Uh, okay, advocate, what do you have to say? Lord Jesus Christ says, okay, yes, he did all these things, but he came to me. He asked for forgiveness. And by my shed blood, I forgave him. And Father, you know the covenant we have. So because he's forgiven, because he's forgiven, those sins are no longer effective in this court. So the just judge says, yes, they were committed, but they were forgiven. Therefore, in this setting, they no longer have any merit. They are now effectively expunged. 
furthermore, the other thing about this particular uh, judge is that he loves those that are forgiven, that receive Jesus, like Jesus himself. So in that courtroom setting, not only does he accept the, the accurate description of forgiveness and then the, the expunging of all of the crime, but then his personal love is extended to him and her, right? And, it, and he goes, case closed. Bah! Drops the gavel, case over, the devil has to leave. Submit to God, resist the devil, he will flee. Hallelujah. Amen. So the issue of us walking in authority, it's not because we're big and bad. It's because he forgave us and now he authorized us. And now we are authorized in his kingdom, but he'll come at us from time to time with deception. He'll try to remind us of what we were in the past. All we have to do is say, first and foremost, I'm forgiven. So that I'm a new creation. So all these things no longer have any power over me. And number two, we know your future. You bring us our past, but we bring you your future. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I walk in the authority of Christ. I'm forgiven. Yeah, but in the past you did this and this and that. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't deny it. But today I'm forgiven. Today I'm set free. Today I'm authorized. Today I'm a child of God. I've been, a, I've been adopted into the family of God. I'm now part of the royal priesthood. Hallelujah. I'm a prince because my father is the king of kings, lord of lords. Right? He's almighty God. And so we walk in an authority. So one of the things also will come out, I believe, at the end of this retreat, is a new sense of walking in the authority that God already released for us. Because you're people of authority. But if you don't ever deal with it, you'll always struggle. He'll always come back, and he'll always look for the open door. What's your open door? What, 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 what guilt are you struggling with that you haven't dealt with? What anger issue, what forgiveness issue or unforgiveness issue have you dealt with that has left an open door? See, the enemy can't come at you illegally. He can only come at you legally. Now, he'll use deception, and, and deception's a lie, but he can only afflict you if he has an access port. What is it that he has to be able to deceive you? Because that's what he has, the power of deception. Hallelujah. And, and in closing, I'm also going to allow you to have a comment. But in closing, that's why it's vital. Like in the Old Testament, the priest used to always come in the morning and present himself before God and, and, and then do a sacrifice for him and do a sacrifice for the people. And at night, they would do the same thing. You have the morning and evening sacrifice, right? We have to do the same thing. We have to go every morning to God. Father, cleanse, cleanse my mind, cleanse my, my attitudes, my mindset, the things that come from my heart. Because Christians sometimes say the craziest things. That where does that come from? That comes from my heart. I pray you cleanse my heart, my mind, cleanse my, my day, cleanse the work of my hands, my work, my, my, my journey. Uh, cleanse me, my God, by your blood. And you go out there, conquer the day. But at nighttime, you know, you come back, you're soiled. Issues, mindsets, stresses, pressures, that person cursing, this program. I mean, things that hit us. We're forgiven, but we just need that, that every day be in the presence of God and, and, and that cleansing of the Holy Spirit. And this is not something I can do for you. You have to do this for yourself. We have to be disciplined every day and be in the presence of God every single day. 
And don't think that the enemy is not watching. He's always watching for an open door. You know? You know, don't take me there because once I'm there, I'm lost. I'm God. No, 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 no. You need to. You need to check yourself at the door. If they're taking you there, you, you get off that ramp right away. Don't allow them to take you there. Because anybody that can take you there really controls you. You're giving them control of over your life. I'm not getting any, any amens. I'm preaching better than you're responding. Praise God. Hallelujah. It's a little southern saying that I learned not so long ago. <laughs> now think about it. If they can get you out of your peace, that means they control you. You have effectively given them, given them control over your life. Check yourself. Nobody should be able to take you out of your peace. The only time I saw Jesus, you know, get any attitude was when, when, when there were people selling in the, in the temple. And, and, and he was righteous there. He didn't lose. He just said, this, this, this is a house of prayer. This is my father's house. And he was righteous about it. But you didn't see him lose it. He was Puerto Rican. Yeah, I say that because, you know, sacó la, la correa. You know what the correa is? Bill. That's how Puerto Ricans in the past, I learned from my dad, use this. And 95% and of the time, all he had to do with my dad was to take it out. No, that chancleta was mom. Chancleta is the, the slipper. Yeah, that, but that was amazing, because no matter where mom threw it, it, it actually made turns as the kids were running. Bam. Amazing, amazing, amazing. To this day, I still don't know how that thing works. But, but with my dad, all he had to do was threaten me with the belt. So when I see Jesus acting that way, I said, yeah, Jesus. That's, that's what we learned from you. <laughs> no, but the truth of the matter is, is that, yeah, we have to keep control. Because the Spirit of God is within us. And so at the time where you have the opportunity to have your crisis, you can either just give in to crisis, and most of us we do because we don't think that we have the right to say no. Right. So we just flow into it. It's just the way I am. No, no, it's the way you've always responded. But it's not the way you are. You're a new creation in Christ. You're a prince, you're a princess. So you shouldn't be acting that way. I never see princes lose it, or princesses lose it. They always are in control. Proud, you know, properly they're comfort. Even when they have to tell you, you know, I'm upset. Again, when you upset, you guys will let me have it. In no uncertain terms, and in lots of colorful language. A prince gets upset, he'll say, I take umbrage at that. <laughs> I'll take umbrage at that. See, even the conversation is different, but they don't lose it. And I see God's people losing it for anything. They didn't get a handshake, they're offended, they're never going to come back to church, start cursing the pastor, start cursing the elders, the ministers, the brothers and sisters, talking bad, you know. They go home to their phone ministry, you know what the phone ministry is, right? Yeah, you know, I just, I'm talking to you because you're my friend, but don't tell anybody. And then they start just unloading and, and, and talking terrible things about their brother or sister. No, brethren, we have to, we have to stop that. I'm telling you, we're in a place where God is moving mightily and there's great opportunity hovering over this church right now. And as we allow the Spirit of God to work through us, I tell you, you're going to see the multiplication, you're going to see the move of God, but we need to prep our own hearts first. And this is why we're facilitating this, and, and I appreciate Minister Magdalia for helping to facilitate it. Facilitate it. She's an expert at what she does. 
All of you need to be proud of what she's doing together with the team. It's not just her, she also has a team. It's all gonna be well done. But the truth of the matter is, it doesn't make a difference even if we have to go into a cave and seek God. Right. We need to seek God. Amen. Amen. We need to seek God. Amen to that. So, starting next Sunday, before service, at 9 a.m., we're starting our pre-encounter sessions for the next four weeks. They include some of the segments that we spoke about this morning, which is to prepare you around understanding the Holy Spirit, understanding the value of the cross in your life, and how the encounter is going to help you personally, and what are the things that you need to prepare um, logistically for the encounter. Those are the four um, um, sessions that we're going to start with at 9 o'clock next Sunday. And then the final week before the encounter, we're going to, um, as, a, as a selected group, we're going to fast and we're going to pray so that we, each one of us will go with the anointing of God to seek him personally for this encounter. I thank you for the opportunity, Calvary, and, and I do pray that you will join us. Thank you for being our guest today in the Calvary Show. We appreciate it. Let's give our guest a appreciation. This has, this has been the Calvary Christian Fellowship Hour. We thank our, our audience for being with us and for, uh, amen. Come on, give yourselves a hand. Praise the Lord. Amen. But in all seriousness, as we prepare our hearts, I wanted for, for us to really, really take this to heart. This is a church process. We all want to do this together. Because out of this, I'm telling you, um, when the floodgates open, that's not the time to get ready for a flood. You have to get ready before. God's doing a lot in our midst. Um, you know, you shared with us the other week how opportunity is here. When opportunity comes, it's a very very interesting season because most people aren't further in their life because when opportunity came they weren't ready for it or they didn't realize it was opportunity they thought it was a problem or a crisis because a lot of things started happening they got overwhelmed and they thought it was a crisis but yet it was an opportunity think about it all of the army of Israel was hiding because Goliath was cursing at them and he says, my God, what are we going to do? This is horrible. This is a crisis. It's a national crisis. And what did David see? An opportunity. Your opportunity might look like a big, bad uh, giant in front of you. The ten spies, they went into the land of opportunity. What did they see? Giants. The other two spies went in, and they saw the giants. But what did they see? Opportunity. That's good, man. That's a tweetable thing right there. <laughs> Praise God. No, but think about it. In our life, we have opportunity. But most people don't see the opportunity. They see crisis, problems, hard work. No, I'm not going to do that. That's going to make me work harder. Well, yeah. When God gives you greater responsibility, it's greater work. Higher level, bigger devil. 
More responsibility, more accountability. Yes. I want my own business. Why would you, would you possibly want your own business? Well, so I can make more money. You having a problem? Well, you have one supervisor. If you have your own business, every single client is your supervisor. You got to satisfy hundreds of people in your business. In a job, all you have to do is satisfy one supervisor. And you can't do that. Start by excelling where you're at now, and then God can promote you to greater things. But take responsibility for where you're at now. Stop complaining about this and that and the other. I was just talking with a pastor, came back from the Sudan. And, he, you know, he, he had to stay with them, eat their food, and, and you know, you get sick. You get malaria and all that. He was there with them. And he was having such a great time. He said, oh, I had a wonderful time. His life was threatened several times. But, but the way those people live, so simple. And, and, and meanwhile, here in this United States, we're complaining. I hear, the, I hear these young people complaining. They're out there, oh, we want the Green New Deal, Green New Deal. Now, don't get me wrong. I agree that we're supposed to clean up our streets. I agree in all of that. But kids, stop worrying about that. Get your education. Get, you know, you're complaining about everything. Stop complaining. Be grateful. Well, I had Cheerios this morning. Thank God for the Cheerios. In some of the nations right now, the nations I've traveled to, they don't even have that. They eat once a day, and what they eat is just like ground rice or something like that, a little patty, and that's all they eat. Some of them eat, no, no, mix, mix, yeah, I know that. I know it for a fact. So I look, I say, God, help us. Help us to break through. And it starts with us. It starts with, we have to model that. We, we, we have to mentor that. We have to, we have to speak the word in such a way and ask God that there would be a breakthrough connected to the words we speak. That the Spirit of God would break through. So we get back to God. Amen? Amen? So bow your heads with me right now. Father, we thank you for this time. Thank you for that which we've discussed today among your people. And, and Lord, I thank you for the upcoming uh, encounter. I pray that you touch the hearts of everyone so that we would do this as a church. I pray, Lord God, let them see that God was speaking to them today. Personally. It was not just a general call and something that we could just walk away from. Oh yeah, that's not for me. It's for all of us. Help us to see that, that we would embrace this as a church, that we would come closer to God as a church family, individually and as a church family. Help us, Lord God, to overcome the issues we've been going through, that we might be mighty ministers, Lord God, ministers, Lord God, that, that put you first, ministers, Lord, with a clean vessel so that you could work in us and through us. Ministers that would be able to defend the gospel. Ministers that would be able to uh, resist the enemy. That would have a clean slate. That would not be bound anymore by past issues. Help us, my God. Help us to see the, the time that we're living in. The need that this nation has for the church arising in power today. Arising in the glory of God. That we would allow our light to shine as never before for your glory and the benefit of those that you give us the privilege of ministering to and serving. We'll give you the praise for it. And we thank you, Lord. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen and amen. Praise God. Give God some praise. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. So I'm going to release you now, but if you need prayer, 
please feel free to come come front to the front uh, after I release you. Uh, we're going to allow the altar to remain open. Uh, please, the place of prayer is a place of power. So if you need prayer, don't leave without being prayed for. Okay? Praise God. Let's all stand. Hallelujah. I believe even we had a different format today. I don't know if you liked the format. Did you like, did you appreciate this different format? Yeah. It was cute. It was cute, people. It was cute. Praise God. It's a different format. But you know, you know, us Americans, we're used to that. We're used to watching shows. Sometimes we'll watch a show better than hear a preaching. So I fooled everybody. So in a show I preached. Yeah, change the regular. Yeah. Right, good, good. Praise God. Something different. Amen. Father, um, thank you, Lord God. I pray that your anointing would flow even as we pray for your people. But Lord, I thank you because as we leave this place, your presence goes with us. Because the church is not the building, the church is us. So I thank you that your anointing goes with us. Give us, Lord, discernment that we would be able to minister to those around us throughout the week, whether it be at home, in our community, uh, Lord God, our neighbors, our co-workers. Give us wisdom and insight. Give us a word of the Lord for them, a prophetic word, even at work, my God. Even uh, when we pick up our children, to the teachers, uh, Lord, um, to the, that gentleman at the bodega, my God. I pray that your glory would manifest, that we would be salt and light wherever we go, my God. Hallelujah. Bless your people, Father, with that discernment and with the passion for the souls, my God. We'll give you the glory for it. Now I dismiss from this place. I dismiss your people from this place. Thanking you that you go with us. Thank you that your angels encamp round about us and guard us and keep us in all of our ways. We praise you for it. We pray all these things in the majestic name of our Lord of Lords, King of Kings, Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. God bless you all. Remember, you are blessed and you are highly favored. So it will be that blessing that God has called, God, God has called you to be. Have a great weekend. Have a great weekend.